0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast.
1: Welcome to the App Show with Mike Agarbo. Unfortunately, I am not Mike Agarbo. I'm your host, Graham Williams, and I'm joined here today with Stephen Fung. We've got an incredible show for you today with some really, really cool topics. Mike is away in uh, Spain. Yes. And uh, so he's going to be joining us for a segment shortly about a really cool app that can help you to get around. Uh, But we're also going to be talking about food apps are they ripping you off are they ripping restaurants off
2: potentially or,
1: p- potentially yeah i mean I, I know that i've used a lot of these apps recently uh as i've sort of been traveling around canada mm-hmm. and the united states and uh, i find them to be a good value but could i be wrong i definitely could and uh, we're also going to be talking about huawei yes
2: they're, they're gonna big. they're
1: gonna go their own way.
2: oh yeah they're going their own way This is the way. Okay. The Huawei. This
1: is the way. Uh, But to start off, we've got some app news and some tech news. Uh, We've got some pretty cool stories here coming from our friends over at Engadget. Uh, There is a rotary
2: cell phone. I love this thing. It looks so cool. It looks almost like something that if you brought it to an airport, you would be put in the big dark room in the back and searched.
1: I, I've been through TSA a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, and it does seem like they do delight in finding folks that have strange things in their bags and then pulling them out of line. I, I got pulled off to the side and uh, they actually, they, they looked at the x-ray and they, then immediately said, get on your way. And I said, I waited 20 minutes for this. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, you did. So this is a, this is a rotary cell phone, hearkening back to, when was the last time we saw a rotary phone, like late 80s, early 90s? It's
2: got to be that far back. Although there is a container full of Garfield phones uh, crashing on the shores of some uh, small island, but that's another matter. It's, it's always Garfield merchandise it's for some
1: So rotary phones, uh, for those of you who don't remember them, uh, basically had this dial that you would stick your finger into and whip around in order to dial the number. This was pre-touchtone stuff. And so someone has decided that uh, you know our phones have become too slim, too compact, and too easy to use, and they put together a rotary phone cell phone kit. So what's going on with this? thing
2: well this thing is so cool because uh, the instructions are out there on the web you can build it yourself it uh, has a definitely a rotary dial on on the front of it and of course you wait every time that you want to dial a number you wait because you really want to phone that person if you're going to wait that long in a uh, in a um, you know a, a market where people are calling letting Siri know what, who they want to call uh, and they even have quick access buttons on it in case there are those emergency button uh, emergency numbers where you actually need to reach someone quickly
1: the, the thing that gets me here is not just that you can build a rotary phone but you can build your own cell phone this is powered by an Adafruit 3G radio. And I think that may be the thing that stops more people than anything else is moving back to 3G data speeds. I was just recently in Honduras. Uh, So Chris, one of the producers on our show is down there uh, teaching people how to scuba dive. And so I learned how to scuba dive with her and I was stuck on 3G for a chunk of time. And it was one of those things where you look at your phone and you're like, we got by with this kind of data speed. We're spoiled. It hurt you, didn't it? It did a little bit. So, so this thing, uh, in addition to having a 3G radio and the rotary dial, also has a flexible 2.1 inch e-paper display. So, kind of like your e-reader, yep. uh, where I can display messages. Uh, it also has, again, sort of these the short, these shortcut contacts, uh, and it has. Twenty-four hours of battery life.
2: That's impressive.
1: Yeah. Now it's it's a, this is a bit of a, a, a thicker device. It's it's heavy. It's mm-hmm. thick. It's not waterproof. Uh, it looks like you probably need cargo shorts or cargo pants to uh, to carry it. So really, there's a whole lot of nostalgia going on here through the eighties and nineties. Uh, so what does this thing run?
2: That's a good question. I actually um, know that it's a free project, but you're basically in for the uh, the price of the parts. Two hundred
1: and forty dollars um, US. Yeah. That's uh, it. Y- you might be able to get them cheaper. You know, it just depends on where you shop. Yeah. So if you can if you can wrangle up the parts to this thing, uh, including the rotary dial, which apparently is not easy to get, yes. uh, you could build your own cell phone. I'd be fascinated to see if anybody out there actually wants to do this. So cool, rotary phones. Maybe. Um talking about phones and our apps and being able to be a little bit more uh, useful with them between computers and your phone devices, uh, Windows. Microsoft has actually launched a new app that will let you take your messages and contact information and go back and forth between
2: uh, your PC and your phone. Yeah, funny enough, I actually just Uh, turned on the phone feature uh, as I was getting ready for this uh, app show. And everything does work. You just put on your Bluetooth headset and away you go. But I believe this is something that was kind of in... Mac OS already for a little while, right?
1: Well, I'm, I'm kind of looking at you as a Mac user and as an iPhone user, and I'm like, you guys are just getting this now. I know it, sounds, it seems like shade, but it we, we actually have had this for a while on the Apple side, yes. right? iMessage syncs across your iPad, your iPhone, your uh, your laptop, your, your MacBook, or yeah. your iMac or even your Mac Pro if yeah. you're rolling in the dough. Um, but it also lets you take things like FaceTime calls and uh, even telephone calls. You can mm-hmm. actually push those through from your, your phone. And as long as it's within proximity, because yes. it kind of knows when it's close. Um, your, your computer will, will ring, your, your iPad will ring, your phone will ring all at the same time mm-hmm. and you can choose which device
2: to answer it on. So this lets you make calls on Windows? It lets you make calls, lets you receive them, you get your text messages back and forth. The only thing I found out, and maybe I'm just missing something, but I can't delete my messages, but I can't reply to them.
1: Interesting. You know, I um, actually had an interesting thing this morning. My partner accidentally deleted a uh, a text message between the two of us, uh, this text thread that's been going on for three years, oh my. Our, our entire relationship. And so she she looked at me. She's like, "Is all of this gone?" And because it syncs through iCloud, yeah. all of it was gone. Um, here. Well, here's the thing is your iPhone actually backs up to iCloud and it backed up last night after she went to sleep and deleting it was the first thing that she did this morning. Um. So she was able to actually, actually able to uh, erase her phone and restore all of the messages, including all of her apps, in less than half an hour while we had coffee this morning. So she got that entire three-year message stream back. So That's I incredible. It's going to be kind of interesting to see. I mean, Google kind of does that as well with syncing your messages through uh, the Android system in the back so kind of cool
2: and Chrome OS as well too so it, it was interesting to see that happen finally uh, mainly because Microsoft you know they recently only retired their own OS for for phones Uh, And coming forward, they're bringing all this new engineering and all these new applications and features and innovations into the Android ecosystem. So it'll be a really fun time for uh, Android users as well.
1: It's kind of interesting to see Microsoft and Google cooperate on this one because they kind of have to, right? You know, Google makes their Chromebooks, but they don't make a lot. They don't make the bulk of computers out there. That's correct. Um, And, you know, Apple's got this sort of vertically integrated system where Mm -hmm. all of these things work together. So, you know, Google and Microsoft, despite the fact that they're mortal enemies when it comes to search, kind of have to cooperate in order to have something that's, that's equivalent. Right. Uh, last thing that we're going to talk about here on the news, uh, Vimeo is launching a new app. If you've got a small business, it will help you make videos for your small business.
2: I love small businesses mainly because they work so hard and anything that they can do to increase the value of their business is fantastic. And I love when apps, especially apps like Vimeo, go out there and create all give give the community of small business uni- users all these uh text um, the photos and everything the usage licensing for all this music just to be able to create create these assets so that they can attract more customers. And anything that they can do quickly and easily on that 30 minutes at lunchtime is great. Yeah. So this is
1: this is an app called Magisto mm-hmm. and it is free. And basically a lot of the videos that you'll see on sort of YouTube and Instagram where businesses are trying to get their message across, uh, you're able to do that. You're able to add in, again, some photos, yeah. some text. Uh, I'd be interested to see some of the things that are made with this because a lot of the videos we see out there for small business aren't really that great. So mm-hmm. Magisto is the name of that app. Check that out. So we've got a ton more of really great stuff coming towards we've got mike joining us in the next segment and we've got some great stories coming up so uh, if you want to stay tuned we've got food apps we've got huawei they're coming in soon Uh, this is the app show you've got graham and steven here stay with us we will talk to you shortly welcome back to the app show i am your host graham williams i'm joined by Stephen fung and we do indeed have on the line with us our host mike agarwin mike how are you doing
0: I'm doing great and having a good time here in uh, Barcelona,
1: and and so in Barcelona, and it's the question on everyone's mind whenever they go to a new city: How easy is it to get around?
0: Well, it's kind of interesting because uh, you know up until last year they actually had Uber here, uh, but the local city government, uh, I guess under pressure from the taxi uh, lobby here, uh, introduced a bylaw that uh, basically said that uh, any Uber pickup had to wait 15 minutes. So if you hailed an Uber on the app, uh, the Uber driver could not pick you up for at least 15 minutes, which basically uh, negated their whole value proposition and they've, uh, they've pulled out of, uh, out of Barcelona for now.
1: And, and so can you find any ride hailing in Barcelona right now?
0: Well, what's interesting is that uh, they have an app here that uh, actually works with the local taxi industry. And it's called Free Now. And it's interesting because uh, this has actually gone through a few different uh, brands over the past few years. And I actually used this uh, particular app back in Toronto uh, years back. It was called Hail O, uh, spelled hail and then with the letter O at the end. And it basically worked like Uber, but for taxis and so along the way over the years uh it merged with uh another app called my taxi uh and uh, both of these merged into one app uh that was owned by daimler chrysler and bmw and since then they have now uh amalgamated and rebranded once again for millions of dollars uh into a uh, uh an app called free now and this uh basically works uh in over 100 cities uh, in Europe, and uses the actual local uh, taxis in in each city.
1: Wow! So, so basically, looking at this uh, this app here, they've got over 100,000 drivers in 50 cities in nine countries. That's a that's a pretty darn big app. Um, and and you actually had a chance to use this while you're there.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's actually really good. And, you know, I just look at, uh, you know, our situation in Vancouver and it, it just makes me laugh because the taxi associations uh, in the, in our city, they're spending all of their time, all of their money trying to launch all these crazy lawsuits uh, against uh, the cities uh, and, and also Uber and Lyft. And I think we all know how those are going to go where if they kind of got on board with this particular app or something like this or developed something like this they could actually be a viable competitor to uber and lyft so essentially how it works is you download the app it's again called free now and uh works in pretty well most of the cities in europe uh, that you know of and it's just like uber uh you can basically go into the app put in your destination and hail a taxi and it's uh, again, like the Uber and Lyft apps, you can actually see the little taxi coming right to you. You can see how long it takes. And what I like about this particular app is that not only can you you know, have a, a meter taxi ride, but if you wanted to have a fixed price for certain destinations, you can do that as well.
1: So this kind of answers a lot of the things I think that Vancouverites were really concerned about, and the, the first and foremost being the unpredictability of trying to get a taxi. I know that myself, I've, I've wandered out onto Hastings Street, which is where I live, and you can stand there for you know, 10, 15 minutes at a time. There's that 15-minute time window again, looking for a cab that you just can't find. Uh, I mean, the other thing, obviously, fixed prices being, being kind of good. Now, uh, sort of looking into this app, it looks like there are some fees that do come with it uh, if you have to cancel. Uh, there, there's a five euro cancellation fee. Um, you know, at that point though, I think really the convenience of being able to ha- to hail a cab is actually even worth that. Rarely do you need one and, and not need one anymore. Um, are, are there a lot of cars on the road? Like clearly you can see a bunch of taxis with this then. Yeah.
0: And there just seems to be enough of them, which never seems to be, uh, you know, something in Vancouver. There's just never, never enough uh, cars, uh, out on the, uh, the road.
1: I, I know with my experience with Uber and with Lyft in Vancouver since they've launched, the one thing that I've found is that the drivers are quite a bit more courteous. Uh, they, they drive in a more rational and relaxed fashion, and uh, I, I think that's part of the reason is because you can rate them. Can you can you rate your drivers with this app?
0: Well, you know, that's the interesting thing about this app. It literally has all the same features uh, as uh, Uber and Lyft, and I think even more, more so uh, in some other features that I like. Uh, You know, if you want to put your credit card information in, you can just have it uh, automatically bill you at the end of the ride, just like Uber. But if you want to pay cash or credit card, uh, physical credit card, uh, you know, when you're in the cab, you can do that uh, as as well. Uh, You know, they have all sorts of different types of cars. Uh, You can have the small ones. You can have extra large if you've got more passengers or more luggage and uh, also if uh, you need uh, an accessibility type of vehicle as well if maybe you're in a, uh, a wheelchair uh, those seem to be plenty available too so they really seem to have it uh, together uh, over here in uh, europe and it's um, interesting that you know the, the taxi uh, you know companies in north america haven't really uh, clued into this so,
1: so what do you think it would take to get this over to vancouver do we need to to, to start some sort of protest
0: I don't know. Like I said, Graham, you know, back, uh, you know, I think about five or six years ago, can't remember exactly, uh, when I was in Toronto, they had this app or, you know, the previous incarnation of it. And I loved it. It was just amazing. I hate, you know, having to try phoning a cab company and asking, you know, when do you think the cab will be here? Well, uh, maybe 10 to 20 minutes. And, you know, it never shows up on time or if ever. Uh, so, you know, this type of app was just like a godsend back then, but they pulled out of the city and North America for that matter. So I was pretty, uh, you know, upset about it. So it was fascinating to see that they uh, have it going still here in Europe. And just even more interesting, just the big companies behind it. You know, Daimler, uh, Chrysler. Uh, they're one of the main investors behind it. And BMW has joined in as well.
1: I know that Intel has been working on some uh, some artificial intelligence for driving vehicles. It seems like this would be sort of a common sense integration as they move forward. And I know cab drivers out there probably don't want to hear this, but do you think this would be the perfect opportunity for places like Daimler Chrysler and BMW to partner up with someone like Intel to, to actually get these automated vehicles on the road?
0: Well, I think that's the big reason that they're actually investing uh, in these types of apps and and companies because they're making the cars. They want to make sure down the road, uh, you know, when we do go to autonomous vehicles, you know, vehicles that don't have drivers, uh, robo taxis that uh, they own those uh, particular companies so that they have to buy their particular uh, brand. So, you know, is that one year, two years or five years away? It's a good question. I think it's probably more like 10 years away before we start seeing, you know, the full self-driving uh, vehicles. But there's no question that, uh, you know, the big car companies are all investing in uh, these uh, these self-driving uh, type of uh, cars and uh, apps uh, as well. We're seeing that with GM uh, and even Ford, too.
1: Well, that is definitely something to look forward to. Thanks for joining us, Mike, and uh, we will see you when you get back.
0: You sure will. Thanks, guys, for holding down the fort. Cheers.
1: So that was Mike Agarbo. He is over in Spain and he'll be joining us again very shortly. Coming up on the app we're going to be talking about food delivery apps and whether or not they are ripping you off chances are they might be and we're also going to talk about huawei Uh, huawei the sleeping giant has awoken and google is begging them to take them back is it actually going to happen we don't know Uh, don't forget to sign up for our contest through our mailing list getconnectedmedia.com we're giving away thousands of great prizes and we've got a new prize that we're going to be announcing next week so getconnectedmedia.com sign up for the newsletter back after this Welcome back to The App Show. Graham Williams here with Stephen Fung this week, and we are going to be talking about food apps very shortly, but I do want to call out one thing, and that is our contest. Now, right now, we're about to launch a brand new contest. We haven't even revealed yet what the prize is going to be. We just gave away a $1,000 pair of Bear Dynamic Bluetooth headphones. You're going to have the
2: parodies away from me, but I will give them away eventually.
1: (laughs) These are absolutely incredible headphones, so we're really happy that we were able to give those away. But we've actually got contests that we do every month, and we're going to be giving away thousands of dollars in prizes this year. Uh, Now, here's the thing. You can
2: enter, and you can enter for free uh, how do you do it? You, all you need to do is go to the newsletter tab on our website, getconnectedmedia.com slash newsletter, and you just have to sign up for a newsletter. What we do is we want to make sure that you're informed of any of the new announcements, uh, like the new Samsung phones coming out, the Huawei handsets, uh, things like that. Uh, in addition, we want to put you into all of our draws. So all you need to do is sign up once and say subscribed, and then you're entered for all of the draws throughout the year.
1: So that really is the secret sauce, is you just need to sign up for the newsletter. Not only do you get all of our really cool and great content, but you get entered into this contest and every other contest for the rest of the year. So getconnectedmedia.com, uh, go check out our newsletter page, make sure you sign up for it, and as soon as uh, you get your uh, your newsletter, you will be entered in to win that contest. And again, we've got a pretty cool prize coming, which we will tell you more about next week. But right now, I want to talk about food delivery apps. Um, now,
2: which, which of these food delivery apps have you used, Stephen? I've used a number of them skip the dishes uh Uber Eats I've used some of the ones that have just some of the foodora you know like all of all of the little ones that work with the mompa shops I mean or even the ones that I can't even remember the name of because they seem to be popping up every few seconds.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was sort of a spate of these things that have launched over the course of the last Mm -hmm. few years. If you were at Waterfront Station in Vancouver, it seemed like every other day, somebody was trying to give you a 25% off or 50% off or $10 off your first order coupon. And so these things clearly are flourishing. It used to be that restaurants, if you wanted delivery, the restaurant had a delivery guy or girl or person that would Mm -hmm. be delivering the stuff to you. But- that's sort of been separated out from the arrangement. Now, the restaurants would set those prices. You would know that delivery would either cost you money or be included. You'd tip your driver, and that was that. used to be you have to pay with cash. Hmm. Then they started carrying debit machines. But the app economy and the gig economy has kind of turned this thing on its head where pretty much any type of food can be ordered from many different places, sometimes even when the restaurants aren't actually opting in. You know, yes. we ha- we have seen some of these food apps where they have essentially listed a restaurant, listed their menu, and this is kind of the catch for those of us at home who are ordering. They're jacking the prices
2: up. Oh goodness, yes they are, and it's just to cover all the fees and everything. There's a there's a fee structure that, uh, according to uh, a article on the Globe and Mail, uh, most of these companies aren't willing to even disclose. But it's estimated that it's anywhere between thirty to thirty five percent that they're building the restaurant. And for a lot of mom and pop shops, they're running on thin margins. That's almost all their profit.
1: Well, and on top of that, so, okay, so now we're taking profit away from the restaurant, which is not good for the restaurant, Mm. Uh, but we're also seeing, there's a New York Times article that I've got open here, where the food app service is actually adding on additional fees. I'm seeing delivery fees, service fees, miscellaneous fees, Miscellaneous. what what that's for. Uh, And, you know, in one case, I'm going to name it here, Uber Eats was 91% more expensive than ordering the same dish in the restaurant. Wow. Yeah. So you know you you desire a cheeseburger from McDonald's and you're now going to be paying anywhere between seven to ten dollars for that cheeseburger where you would have paid three to four bucks in the actual restaurant. This to me doesn't really feel very ethical, but it also kind of is this balance of you know convenience and desirability. Uh, I I know for myself when I when I'm looking at it now, I've I've had days like that. You know you get home, you're tired, you don't want to make food, you open up the fridge, there's nothing in there. You kind of look around to the family and you're like, you know what? I guess we're getting whatever it is that we're getting tonight. I ordered um, Vietnamese last night. And reasonably speaking, I paid 40 bucks for what felt like a lot of food, but I've also had those moments where you see the food show up, and you're like, I paid $60, and this seems like a very small amount uh, in comparison to what I would have got had I gone into the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we're actually starting to see uh, a bit of a backlash. Uh, New York City right now is saying that they may uh, be fining and uh, putting additional restrictions on some of these services. This kind of mirrors a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in the gig economy. right We've seen this with Uber, we We've seen this with, with Lyft, where, you know, here in BC, they've decided to put additional fees onto uh, these services to see if they can kind of balance this out. Um, when you see new restaurants open up, though, it doesn't feel like delivery is something that they even think about anymore because somebody else has got them covered. And it seems like they're willing to play play ball here.
2: Well, it's good advertising, you know, getting your name out there, getting the food quality out there, you know, in that consistency and showing people that, hey, you know what, we got good food. Uh, come on in. Uh, that sounds like a really good way to market yourself and you know I, I believe that one of the interviews on uh I think it was uh Glo Mail uh said that they interviewed uh one of the companies and they said that this was some of the feedback that they got from some of their uh the restaurant partners that they were getting customers back in after experiencing the food for themselves delivered. Now obviously stuff in the in in the shop would be much more fresh and tasty than having it delivered. So if you really do like something, I guess that's one benefit of tasting it delivered you can actually now try it in the restaurant and get an even better experience.
1: So so this is this is really okay I mean we're seeing in some of these articles that the restaurants are also boosting their prices a little bit to absorb to sort of cushion that blow when they're paying a commission to some of these mm-hmm. services so really as long as we're kind of all going into this eyes open right you know as a consumer you're being informed right now you're, you're listening to me and I'm telling you you're going to be paying more through these apps. Uh, So you're now informed, the restaurant is informed, and they're complicit, assuming that they've actually got an agreement with a delivery service, and it's not just a delivery service that's showing up to order for takeout, because we did see a problem with that. You know, even on Commercial Drive, I was seeing this, where there were delivery people lined up, and there was an exasperated person behind the cash saying, it's another one of these people again. Uh, So the delivery service is in, you as a consumer are in, the restaurant is in. Sure, we're paying more, but we are getting the convenience of this service. Is Is there a problem here?
2: No, uh, I think that um, what we found out in, in, re- in our reading was that uh, some of the restaurants, they have better service and a better relationship between the drivers and themselves actually have a really great relationship. Uh, some of the uh, places I noticed that over at Five Guys in Coquitlam, uh, which is a suburb in Vancouver, uh, they actually have a couple spots. that are set up specifically for the food delivery drivers to drive up, get their orders and drive out.
1: And, and so that, that really is the, the thing for me. I think I'm going to be comfortable using these apps. Um, I don't think I'm going to stop using them. I have seen a, quite a few people post on my Facebook saying the gig economy is killing small business. It's not good for the drivers. This really is an opt-in for a lot of people, I mean, yep. if I were to go onto these services and there weren't drivers available, then I wouldn't be opting to buy from there. I would probably get off my butt yep. and go out and, and you know pick this food up myself. So I, I feel like this is
2: actually a, a fair exchange for everyone involved. Yeah, you know that uh, it's going to be smaller potentially. It might be a little bit more expensive. Do you consent? Yeah, so you might be paying
1: 91% more, but at least you know. So coming up in the next segment, we are going to be talking about Huawei and awakening the sleeping giant. They are actually awake, and Google is begging them to come back, question mark. So we've got a little bit more data on that. Don't forget, sign up for our newsletter at getconnectedmedia.com. We'll be back at you just after this. Welcome back to The App Show. I'm your host, Graham Williams. Mike Agarbo is off in Spain this week, and he's going to be joining us again next next week, week after...
2: He'll get back when he gets back.
1: Okay, so I've got my, my co-host Stephen uh, Fun here with me, and right now we're going to be talking about Huawei. We talked about Huawei a lot, Uh, And there have been some interesting developments with Huawei over the course of the last two or three years. uh, We have seen that uh, the American government said that they were no longer allowed to use portions of the Android operating system. They weren't allowed to distribute their phones in the US, uh, citing what the Americans believe to be a security concern. And I think we started talking about this pretty much right away when it happened and said that Huawei essentially is like a sleeping giant, right? The moment that you wake them and take them away from something that's easy to use, like Android for them. and you get them to do their own thing getting them back will be a problem and here we are what's going on with them Steven
2: so over the last few days uh, Huawei has been very uh, bullish about their new app gallery which is just launched in Canada as a beta uh, but this app gallery has actually been in operation for a few years now overseas and it's a place where uh, it's it's the alternative to Google because in some markets you cannot have the Google Play Store; it's just not allowed.
1: And there was news that came out last week that said that this is now the number three app store in the world. Right, so you yep. know number one and number two being the the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Uh, we've also seen things like the and the Amazon. App Store, Mm -hmm. which has kind of been sort of neither neither here nor there, but Huawei has popped out of the gate and said, you know what, we are the number three in the world, which considering they are serving so many uh, users and clients in China, not actually a surprise.
2: Yeah, that's right because what they have put themselves out as is they want to be a good third alternative and they're okay with that because they want to grow securely and, and slowly with quality in mind. Now, over their entire network they have over 400 million active users on their on their platform and they've now uh, created their hms core uh, toolkit and their developer kits which will allow people to just simply port their google play store apps over fairly seamlessly and if you have any innovative uh apps that use a whole range of uh, sdk's and they have 24 of them which go anywhere from using their ai all the way to payment methods and everything, Uh, you can integrate those and create your own new apps and put it on the store.
1: So for those of you who are listening at home, an SDK is a software developing kit.
2: That's right. right. So it's this
1: idea that you write an app for Android and you're able to easily translate that over into this new system on the on the Huawei store.
2: That's their dream. And uh, one of the things that has uh, allowed the uh, number of users to be such a high number is something called Quick Apps. Now, Quick Apps leverages HMS Core, which is their uh, their core services, and it actually allows you to launch apps on any of their Huawei devices with a single click. Traditionally, you have to download and install apps. These apps, over 1,700 of them, do not require that additional step. They just run, and they're vetted through an entire process uh, on Huawei's side to ensure that they are meeting the strict uh, standards of security, content, and also uh, a number of different factors that they put uh, behind the scenes to ensure that it's not spam or spyware, etc. And one thing that I found out about um, the the App Store during a uh, the the conference, which was uh, just run in lieu of the Mobile World Congress, which was canceled, um, they actually rejected a good, uh, I believe it was 30% of the apps that were submitted, they rejected them simply because they were not good enough.
1: This is interesting because, I mean, we've seen the App Store grow over the course of the last 13 years, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, there were something, there were silly things when we first started. There was the Fart Button app, Oh dear, which I don't think would really get a whole lot of attention now, but at the time, it was it was sort of this remarkable thing. Yep. I mean, I guess they launched it for Tesla vehicles not too long yes. ago, so there, there is that. Um, and This really has been a problem that Apple and Google have been trying to solve for a while. Apple's got this walled garden approach. You have to have a Mac, you have to have an uh, Xcode, the software to build apps, and you've actually got to go through this rigorous process of vetting these apps. And and sometimes apps get through because they say they do one thing, the automated system checks and it says, yeah, it does that. And then on the other end, there are things that go on where Apple eventually goes, no, actually, this app is not good, and they'll pull it after the fact. Uh, We've seen on the on the Google Play Store. There have been countless examples of cloned apps uh, that yeah. do things that they shouldn't be doing. We've seen things like Bitcoin um, blockchain miners that have been put on people's phones that burn through your battery and they, they put wear and tear on oh, yeah. your phone. So for, for Huawei to try to tackle this right off the bat is great. Hearing that right off the bat, there is a 30% rejection rate because some of these apps are either scary or not good enough it's an interesting place to be, but we are again launching, seeing the launch of a new app store. It's kind of interesting to look at this in context of some of the other app stores that have tried to launch. Right, Amazon's got their their app store, which is kind of sort of you have to you have to put the installer on your yep. phone, and it feels like a bit of a, a runaround. Um, Samsung. You know, we started talking about this years ago. They had their own operating system called Tizen. And they were putting this on their TVs and on their phones. And I think we said at the time, that's going to be a real uphill battle for them. And it seems like they never really got got past the bottom of the hill.
2: Oh, yeah. No, like um, Huawei knows that this isn't going to be an easy battle. uh, But they do need something that uh, they can rely on. Because let's just say that um, Google Play Services is... You know, back on, on Huawei devices. Well, what happens if some other uh, government regime comes in and says, no, it's not available again? You're, right? you're,
1: you're back and forth on that. Oh, so Google has applied for a license to be able to put this these app stores back on Huawei devices. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is, do you think this is going to happen?
2: Uh, from what I've heard, uh, the resources they're, they're putting into HMS Core, the App Gallery, which is their app store, I don't see them coming back at least not easily and it would be great if they found some duality to allow people to do either or but you know what i think they're i think they're focusing on what the future i think they're focusing on this i think there's a lot of really strong things about this new app store including the quick apps that make it just so much more versatile and the 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 number of uh of things that developers can plug into is like it's mind-boggling what they're allowing uh, developers to be able to access anywhere from AI on their end, uh, their cloud services. There's just so much more for an app developer to really dig into and innovate with.
1: So, so you're kind of looking at this, and there are a few moving pieces here, right? There's Google, who probably wasn't happy to have all of that revenue and that market share taken away from them. They want back in. Uh, there is the U.S. government, who is really looking to almost use Google as a weapon and access to Google as a weapon, and they've kind of done that. Um, and they sort of they they spanked Huawei with this. And then there's Huawei who was sitting there pawing at the window saying, hey, can we have this? And now they've decided we don't want it anymore. We're going to take our ball and do our own thing. Yes. Uh, Interesting. Okay, so we've got one more segment for you right after this. We've got our app of the week. Don't forget to sign up for our contest at getconnectedmedia.com. This is The App Show with Graham and Stephen. We are going to be right back after this. Welcome back to the App Show. Uh, I'm Graham Williams, your host, with Stephen Fung with me. Mike Eggerbo will be joining us again sometime soon. Uh, But we're going to finish up with our App of the Week. And I've actually got this one this week because John is also off in Spain as well. He he had a big proposal and somebody said yes. That's kind of exciting. I
2: know. But what if it was the other way? (laughs) Then he'd be stuck all trip. But anyhow. (laughs)
1: It it turned out well. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, So our app of the week is MacDive. Now, I I think I told you earlier in the show that I went down to go see our producer Chris in Roatan in Honduras uh, to learn how to dive. I'd never been scuba diving before. I went down with Roatan Divers and, and spent a week and became open water certified and advanced open water certified, which was Really, a lot of fun. We did all of the Patty e-learning yep. uh, training before we got down there, uh, and when you know I started to actually log our dives, they handed us these tiny little paper books which once you get off a boat and you're you know, soaking wet and you're trying to log your dives, it's not the easiest thing to do. So I looked for an app and I found an app and this week's app is called Mac Dive. This is $14 for iOS and iPad. There's also a Mac version of it. And this thing lets you record all of your diving stats, lets you set up your own diving profile and put in all of your gear. I can thoroughly recommend it because I think it's pretty awesome.
2: And it's not paper getting wet. That's right.
1: So that is our app of the week. This is the App Show with Graham and Stephen. Thank you to Mike for joining us, John, for having a great time, and Christina for producing the show. We will see you next time.
0: You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app. Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.